Dracula takes good care of himself, but it has been a hard night, woman, and it is now time to rest. Tomorrow shall be another night, ah yes. There shall ever be other nights and other victories. Until then, my dear, spend your day in peace. Blade, Undead by Daylight. Writers, Marv Wolfman and Christopher Golden. Pencils by Gene Colon. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my creature of the night is the one, the only. I want to do your podcast. Travis Rats here. Travis. Uh, you I know, was going to go with a dig it, daddy, but I think that bit is going to be taken by our guest here. We're going to introduce in a minute. I was going to do like a dig it cool daddy cat, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that for, for a more authentic sounding voice. <laughs> so on the podcast today we have a a guest joining us to dive deep into a comic book and since it's marvelous summer we are reading uh what's this whole thing it's called blade undead by daylight it's a collection of some of blade's earliest appearances and you know travis invited his pal from his uh japanese teaching days but now he's in the states alan say hi to everybody What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> I like, I call Alan the Marvel Maestro. The Marvel Maestro. I like that. Uh, I, Alan has been on the podcast for some weird books. He is a trooper. Like, we had him for Gorillas. Remember that? Yeah. Indie little yeah. darling. And then we had him for Hellboy and now Blade. He is really getting a wide berth of different types of comics from like every generation. You guys did it to me again. That's right. We did it to you again. So this collection of Blade books is got to be, it's the 60s, and I can't find an actual date in the publication, um, but I know that these are old. Well, Blade uh, was created by Marv Wolfman in 1973, uh, and okay. he, he appeared in uh, Tomb of Dracula 10. But there we so go. This is very 1970s. 70s. Yeah. Okay, so in the 70s, we're, we're going back, and, and in this collection... We get a couple issues of the Tomb of Dracula uh, featuring Blade, and then we also get some uh, some stories that are uh, just our man Blade, but they're in, what's the, is it a Blade book or is it a different titled book? It was in? whatever they shook out at the desk of Marvel that week. They're like, oh, we need a couple extra issues in this trade. <laughs> yeah, so we've got, we've got two, we've got some Tomb of Dracula, and then we get a Blade story uh, from his, they bring him back. This one's got to be in the, in the nineties. It feels it's definitely it feels very nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, or early two thousands when we get when we get Blade back. So I want to start off the podcast. Uh, you know, Alan, can you tell us what is your knowledge of this character Blade? Where are you at with Blade? What did you know coming into this? 
tell us a little bit about your your Blade Daywalker background. Well, I'm a big fan of the movies, specifically the first one. Uh, the second one was pretty good. That was the extent of my knowledge was from what I got from the movies. I mean, I knew about Blade and what he had done, but this is actually the first time I've read anything about him. Never All right. So first play comic. This is also my first Blade comic, Travis. Uh, this is my first Blade comic. Maybe my last Blade comic. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't want to say. I, you know, I, this is. I will tell you. This is an exploration into comic book history. That's essentially what our marvelous summer has been. And yeah. so, uh, Alan, I'm glad you're here to dive into us with a book that is. Just simply kooky. I've got another question for Alan. Um, I know Alan, you you kind of started reading comics in the eighties and were really in that you would have actually been at home on last week we did a, a Todd McFarlane Spider Man, and that's probably more up your alley with like the art. Uh how have you how familiar are you with like this kind of style of comic booking, like nineteen seventies comics? Uh actually not that familiar at all. When I was a kid I kind of shied away because I was used to, I wanted to like, I wanted the big flash stuff and the stuff that looked cool. So anything that looked too retro, it wasn't until I got older that I actually started picking up stuff like that just for the uh, historical value, but not yeah. for the stories. When I was a kid, it was like flashier, the flashier, the better, man. I wanted right? Wolverine and the blood and, you know, the way they do Superman. I mean, this kind of stuff is old school stuff I didn't even touch. Now that I'm older, you know, I can try to find the appreciation. For me, it's like country music. <laughs> it is <laughs> somehow. I, I, I killed a vampire last night, and it failed I, all right. Um, this this book, like I said, it's a collection of a couple arcs from the Tomb of Dracula. Our first introduction to Blade, then what seems to be a while down the road, another Blade story, and then, like I said, we get this extra long issue of like blade coming back right like they've read they've they're redoing blade for another generation so right. here's this story as we get i guess i don't even know where to start Travis. i think we should start, start i discussion? think we should start like fun stuff positive stuff yeah. at it i'm gonna go first i'm gonna <laughs> take my blade out sink i'm gonna lay it on the table so no one gets hurt and I'm going to ask this question, or I'm going to make this statement. I like 70s Blade fashion. I love his outfit. It's so cool in this. I think Wesley Snipes should wear the old school Blade trench coat, the old school Blade goggles. What are those goggles, goggles for? I guess blood. I, well, I guess blood. When, yeah, when you're stabbing vampires in the chest, blood splatter, you know? So yeah. you got to, you know, you got to keep your eyes protected. It was already done though with Dolomite. You guys don't know Dolomite. <laughs> it is very Dolomite. You are right. Yeah, you can't have Blade do that. They, 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 at that time, they probably be like, yeah, it's a little too black. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does feel very black exploitation, right? Like this, yeah. this book does feel like that. Yeah. You're right, Travis. I thought it was a. I, it's a ridiculous outfit, and it is so 70s, and it is so like. Um, I like it is this everybody's kind of like, hey, man, like I yeah. look the the language is definitely sort of like. It's off the wall, 
but there's like something corny that's like wholesome about it's, it. It's, but it's, it's Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> All right. Hey, babes. Hey, cat daddy o digging it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's old people trying to write hip. Yeah. Know, yeah. Pretty much. And his, his outfit actually kind of reminds me of old school Luke Cage, you know, when he had the. Yeah. With the chest out. And, yeah. yeah. It's like Luke Cage meets Shaft. Yeah. I love that he's I love that he's wearing like like he's wearing like riding boots like he just got off a horse like he has like tall riding boots on. Oh, Blade is an equestrian for sure. <laughs> I think I've been I've been working on Alan's Halloween game because Alan's not a, he's like you, Josh. He's not a big Halloween fan, but I've, yeah. I've pulled him out for like the last couple of years when he was in Japan. Um, and when you get him out, he'll get into it. He had a. <laughs> He wore a Mr. T outfit for like three years. It was even well, outs even outside of Halloween. I was I was done with it, but he kept getting requested, so I was like, Keep All right, pulling yeah. you back in. Alan, I, I think you could pull off this seventies blade. Seventies blade. Find, if we could find you a red leather jacket and some green pants, you could you could make it happen. I, I just want to wear the afro, man. I, I just yeah. I I. So you're, I, Travis, I think you're right. It's like a fun story. It's a weird. So there's no other superhero at this time that looks like this because, and he's not a superhero, right? He's being, he's, you yeah. know, they're they're telling this creepy tale, this sort of like, you know, in a horror comic book, the Tomb of Dracula, and we're bringing in this sort of collection of vampire hunters, and he gets to be the sort of again this this sort of '70s black exploitation angle of Marvel comics saying, here's our, you know, like Van Helsing. Pam Gre- it's our Van Helsing. Right. Yeah. Right. And Pam, Pam Greer might as well walk across the, the, I mean, she might as well be in the background in some of these mm-hmm. scenes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is for sure. I just watched, uh, escape from escape from LA today. Um, and Pam Greer is in it. And I'm like, man, Pam Greer needs to be in more movies. Oh man. It looks like the woman that ate Pam Greer, but back in the day, yeah. Even in Jackie Brown, she's still yeah, she's still smoking in Jackie Brown. Yeah, got it, man. She she doesn't, you know, she's not falling off too too fast, man. She looks amazing. The 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 white women in this though are all like go go dancers and (laughs) it's it's so. What else do like as we look at this? I thought the sort of like Blade's way that he like handles all of this stuff, he's ultimately cool, right? Like, he's like none of this, none of this like crazy stuff phases him. His attitude about it all is less. So, when you watch the movie, Alan, let's compare Blade in the comic book to Blade in the movie. Blade in the movie is like he's jaded and cynical and like. Yeah, just very mad, mal- very maladjusted. You know, he's got issues. He's easily triggered. You right. know, Blade was just like show the <laughs> Right. He's like, yeah, let's. We're gonna do this. Let's yeah, do this. Yes, and there was a lot of like, what I think is what was what was them Marvel trying to be as tantalizing as possible. Right. There's yeah. like a dance club that in one issue this you know this woman is running like in just her uh you know bra and panties to like to his house because she's attacked leaving the the dancing club where she dances because 
Dracula came to visit her. Like that's my favorite part is like Dracula full on big cape Dracula is like hanging out at a at a dance club. Yeah, and and like a like a you know a seersucker suit, you know, like his suit was like off the rack or something, you know. He had he was a full suit, but he was a pretty smooth dude. Like he was getting all the ladies, man, with his Dracula powers. I yes, it was such a it was such a like bizarre. And then, like they're fighting in a in a like in a department store in one scene. Like there's so many like weird kooky pieces of these stories. Well, it it's weird because now, like what you want from this book is I want it to lean into the corniness, but then you realize no, they weren't being corny. They no. thought this was edgy at the time. Yeah, like I mean, uh, Blade almost says like motherfucker or son of a bitch several times in this book, yeah. and it's that coldness that the 80s and 90s characters like Wolverine, uh, like these characters kind of take over. But for me, I wanted it to be like, oh, like lean more into the how's it going, daddy-o, you know? But that would be the cartoonish version of it. They thought they were making like serious uh, black exploitation style comic booking here. And at the time they were, but when you read it now, it just reads kind of funny. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, you have the uh, no offense, but you got these you know older white guys writing black speech, you know. Yeah. Right. I think I heard them say, "I dig it once." Let's put that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Like it's definitely some old white dudes being like, "How do we write this to sound like a black guy?" Oh, let's see. Right. I say word ironically, and I I'm now gonna stop saying it ironically because I feel like it's not coming off as ironic anymore. I feel like people are just like, this is a 36 year old white guy saying word. Yeah, don't you can't do that anymore because you sound like an old white guy trying to be cool, but you're not. Uh, yeah, you know it's it's crunk. <laughs> <laughs> so like when we talk about when we talk about this book and we t- and we've got blade and his collection of like vampire hunter best friends what about what about sort of this tale is intriguing what kind of look there's no way that we're all going to admit that this was the most engaging book we've ever read because it's it's not but what pulled you along in this story aside from the fact that we had to do it for this podcast like what got you through it alan alan as you're reading this what you're like okay i can i can i can can dig that got alan through it was a favor to a friend Exactly. Dude, it took me literally all week to read this, bro. Oh, yeah. I kept going to coffee shops and kept, you know, sitting by the beach. And <laughs> I'm reading it and I'm looking over. I'm like, oh, that's nice. A butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for me, it was oh, like. Oh, it's, it's a little fruit fly. Oh, hello. But whenever I was reading it, I was like waiting for something to happen, but like nothing was happening, you know? And they kept talking about, like, we're going to murder you and kill you, but first we're going to make you suffer. And they never actually, like, killed him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they always got him, but then they talked about how they were going to kill him. And I was like, oh, maybe now it's going to happen. <laughs> Everything action-wise, like, you get all this lead up to the action, and then action's, like, on two pages. But it's very, like, this sort of kung fu action. Like, yeah. I chop the blade out of your hand, and then I throw you into a wall. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Right. There's and, and there's I do I do appreciate how his stakes are made of teak wood. 
That's a very nice yeah. wood. That ages very well. I got a set of teak wood furniture outside in the patio. The rain ages it, but cannot destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, as we talk about these little stories, right, we've got the story of the, you know, the friend who is the uh, dancer. We've got the story of Blade helping out his former friend whose wife has, is being possessed by... Uh, she's not actually a vampire. Yeah. She's possessed by a vampire during the daytime. I don't understand how that works. I thought that was kind of a cool, I thought at least they were trying something different there. Right. I thought that was the most interesting one of the old ones was that arc of like, because you get like, here's an old friend and can like, he's telling his friend, look, dude, I might have to kill your wife. Right. Like you get this sort of tension going on. Uh, and they have like a drone that, right? Like they can monitor the they they tagged the bat so they can so Blade can find him. Like there's there's all of this sort of like oh, and here's a spy gadget, right? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. His his crew of vampire hunters is the old guy in the wheelchair. Is that supposed to be the Whistler equivalent from the movies? Because I love Whistler for the movies. Like goddamn vampires. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I remember he was, he was uh, smoking a cigarette and filling his gas tank yes. up, just spewing everywhere. And he, didn't he, he didn't care about anyone. Well, I guess we got a killer blade. <laughs> it's like Chris Christopherson doing a Nick Nolte impression. Yeah, God, yeah vampires. Yeah, that's terrible. But, you know, the whole thing about the, the lady being possessed, that's something I'd never seen. I didn't even know that was a power vampires had. I guess you don't. they don't really explore that one anymore. Yeah, unless it, unless this was just made, for, you know, unless this was like, how do we do a daytime story? Yeah, how do yeah. we how do we make sure that he doesn't have to kill a, kill his best friend's wife? Yeah, right? like exactly because you want the you want the intensity of her being a vampire, but you want to be able to unturn her, right? right? Yeah, the vampire and, the vampire rules didn't really play a big part of this story like they usually play in story arcs. There no. was the whole I, I didn't even realize they were killing them all at night. Like to me it looked like they all took place almost during the day except for some of the ship stuff. But there were a couple of moments. One like you were saying the whole uh linked to the vampire. Two was vampires can't walk across a dock like a water like in the in the water remember? They can't cross moving water. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, they can't cross. They can't cross moving water. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out why because I know the whole silver thing is supposed to be because of like Judas and the shekels of silver and you know wood having to do I think with the cross. I don't know what the water has to be. With it's it's the flowing blood of Christ. Because yeah, yeah Dracula was like on a boat for like the whole first issue, so I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have to to those rules that apply in the nineteen seventies. This was no, like. I think a, like when you're sleeping, it's okay. Oh, but you can't, that makes But you sense. can't be awake. Oh, thank, thank you for <laughs> thank you for clearing that up for me, Josh. I appreciate no that. Let me make a note here in my vampire book that I'm writing. Okay, sparkle. Okay, sparkle <laughs> vampires and water. No good. Water, no good. Water, no good. Uh, vampires are just funky because they don't bathe. Yeah, <laughs> right. That might be it too. They're just they don't they don't like shower days. You yeah. know, because you never know. Because like. Maybe a priest blessed the water. That's why they don't like garlic either. People think it's because something in the garlic burns. They just don't like funky smells. Right. They just, look, if they're going to bite people and get their mouths close to people, they want fresh breath. They want fresh breath. Yeah. That's all there is to it. I don't get the garlic thing. That never made a whole lot of sense to me, but 
Yeah, I don't know where that lore comes from either. I feel that a lot of modern vampire movies, there's always that moment where like the kid or the character is like garlic and vampires are like, you dumb shit. Like that's only in like that's the gimmick. You're like, are you serious? And it's it's yeah. always random what works. Sometimes crosses work. Sometimes they don't work. Sometimes holy water works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Right. right. Sometimes like women will just nag them to death. Uh, right. And but I did I did know about because they talk about when you stab the vampire, taking it out is uh, will bring them back because the the, uh, the stake keeps them you know dead. So, but I also found out I was watching this documentary. Don't ask me how, but I was watching this documentary on like, when people thought vampires actually existed, and that was a thing. That was like they, they would stab them, and they stayed in the ground because the stake was keeping them in the ground. Oh, all right, okay. It was just the fact that they staked them into the ground. If you de- if you decapitate them at that point, are they completely dead, or do you have to keep that stake in? Like, do you have to like bury them no. in a grave with a stake in no, the ground? No. Alan, Alan, tell us about vampires. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't. I have no idea. I think decapitating works. I don't know. I'm gonna go vampire hunting tonight. Follow up question. (laughs) Follow up question. Are you a vampire? Are you a vampire? You have to tell us. It's like you you have to. I mean, look at this tan. I've been out in the sun, man. Underneath this shirt, I look like uh, Josh. Crazy. That sounds like something a vampire would say. Yeah, that is quite the difference, my man. That is quite the difference. There's varying shades of Alan going on right now. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do have kind of like, it goes from uh, sunrise to sun up on your chest. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it's crazy, man. What is that drop top? I'm always driving at the top. Now, anyway, if that's any indication, I am not a vampire. Unless I'm blue. Unless Ooh. you're a daywalker. Ooh, maybe you, look, Halloween costume's already making itself. Alan, it's already making it so. So let's talk. Let's talk about this modern version of Blade that we get later on, right? We get this modern version of Blade and this very. I want to say it's. It feels very '90s or early 2000s. I did not look to see what it is, but it definitely feels like that. I always. I'm curious, Alan. You mentioned this while we were waiting for Travis to to pee. Um, the sort of like the trope of black characters. Someone always knows voodoo. Yeah, yeah, this is what gets me, man. It's, and I see it a lot in Hollywood, you know, anytime, not every time, but, you know, you have so many black characters and they all know voodoo or they know someone who does voodoo or like you got, I call it a voodoo mama juju, you know, like some voodoo priestess. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been in a house with black people my whole life and I don't know any person that knows voodoo, but apparently in all of Hollywood, everybody black knows voodoo. All, all about, there's always one character who knows. And it's it. like and in Hollywood, it's in like professional wrestling. They had like Papa Shango in the WWF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like in yeah, uh, like, Constantine has a uh, 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 Papa Midnight. Brother Voodoo. Papa Midnight. Midnight. Brother Voodoo. Uh, Br- Brother Voodoo is in this one. Is uh, it this one? Okay, yeah. Papa, Brother Voodoo's Papa Marvel. Midnight is uh, DC. Right. Yep. Get your Voodoo right, Josh. God. <laughs> I, so I. I think that's the weird part about stories like this is where do you put Blade in the Marvel universe, right? Because can you have Blade hang out with, you know, the X-Men and and the Avengers? Or does Blade have to live in this sort of like this weird corner of Marvel that's 
voodoo and magic. And I feel like he could hang out with Doctor Strange, and maybe that's the extent of it. Or Constantine, maybe. Well, Con- Constantine being like that—that that, you know, the DC side of it. Oh yeah, he is DC. Yeah, so I would say that's. I guess here's my point right here, Travis. Does Blade seem more like a DC character than a Marvel character? Yes, he does. Um, what's interesting about reading this old Blade is, for me, looking at the decision to in the mid '90s after like the Batman Forever fails or whatever that is. And comic book movies were dying on dead on the vine. It was before X Men. They decide to make Blade th- a movie because when you read you can, the you source material, yeah, well, oh yeah, that's true. When you read the source material there, it's like what about Blade makes that a good pitch before they knew superhero movies could be successful? Right, that's a good point. All right. Wesley Snipes, that's what makes it a good deal. Like, I mean, that's that's it right there. Like, we need a vehicle, Wesley Snipes. For Wesley Snipes, let's find a character. We don't have the money to do Black Panther. Let's do, like, we can do, people don't know that. Let people know vampires. So you don't need to know Blade in order to tell, because everybody knows vampires. I think that's why it's a good character to bring into a movie is because, it doesn't matter any of Blade's background. There's no baggage, right. right? You just need to know that he hunts vampires. Boom, everybody knows vampires. Yeah, it's not like uh, every every time they do a Batman or a Superman movie, they always have to start with a backstory, with an origin story. But Blade, just, you start every, even in the comic, every scene, every comic started with like a vampire scene when he was hunting vampires, you know? Right. What I liked about the movie, it just opened up, bam, he was in London and he just played that what the opening scene in the movie where it's the club and they just start spraying the blood on everybody they're in the back of the like the the meat uh, packing place that's a that's a damn fine way to start a movie it is a god damn it blade you went to the meat packing district and you didn't invite me god damn it blade <laughs> i got to kill some vampires blade. you went clubbing without me again blade but i agree when you have you have somebody like Wesley Snipes i think the blade character was perfect for him yeah it's probably it might be maybe like uh, casting Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man because when they when that was the first Marvel movie I was like why Iron Man Iron Man right and you see Robert Downey Jr. You're like oh that's why he's perfect for that part you know right and I heard I heard are they doing a blade are they doing a blade TV show Travis. I, I don't know. Aren't they? I know I think that Disney for the last was... ten years they've been trying to get Snipes back in the Blade role, but. I think an old grizzled Wesley Snipes Blade would be amazing. Yeah, I heard there was going to be Blade and Wesley Snipes, but it was going to be they're going to be passing the torch to his daughter. I could get I could get behind that because I think that's what's happening in modern comics right now. I do believe yeah. that that's I think it's Blade's daughter who's who's in it right now. I could get behind that. Give me a grizzled. Wesley Snipes, who's been hunting vampires. Although too, Wesley Snipes is not, is not grizzled. He still looks in great shape. He doesn't look that much older than when he originally did Blade. Yeah, but you could play it up. You could play yeah. it up for the sake of a film. He could have him like filling up, uh, filling up gas tanks, smoking cigars. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't care. A lot of butt on uh, Expendables 3, I think it was. He was still, yeah. He was still working some butt on that one, you know? Right, right, right. Uh, so... As we as this blade story, I want to know um, this trip down historical comic book lane. How did you feel about reading this old of a comic 
Alan, we talked about it a little bit that it was tough for, you know, it's a tough read, but when you leave this, this comic book, when you put it down, what are your, what do you leave with? What do you feel you got out of this little dive into comic book history? Hmm. Well, for me, I think, uh, given how tough this read was, I would like to maybe check out some other Blade comics to see if they, uh, you know, pick up the pace a little bit or to see, you know, if there's different writing or artwork or whatever. You know, I'm kind of interested in to see what the other Blade, because like you said, it does bring up, like, why did they, after reading this, why would they think this would make a good movie? You know, like, why turn this into a movie? So maybe there's some stories and some, uh, you know, some artworks and characters that, um, you know, you don't know about it from comics that actually pulled it off, you know. There seem so to like, be a lot of story about Deacon Frost that we only pop into with this, but there seems to be a right. lot of history there. Right. Yeah. And that that's the part that I'm interested in is and I agree with you, Alan. Like reading this makes me go, okay, there's gotta be there's gotta be a better version of this that right. fits between the one at the end of this book and what starts the book, right? There's gotta be one in the middle there right. that you can point to and go like that's it. That's the one. Yeah, and going back to what Travis said, uh, yeah, with Deacon Cross, he was the one that turned that hit. He was the one that bit his mom that turned Blade into who he is. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's major history right there. That's his daddy. (laughs) But who's your daddy? (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, that's 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 the thing that I think was. If we want to talk about what's missing from this book, I think it's there's no underlying connection between the three stories aside from the character's blade. And that I think makes reading it tough because you're like, okay, I read, I slogged through these, this weird set of issues. It's going to pay off. Nope. We switched to a whole different story. Yeah. Okay. We switched to a whole different story. Well, and Go ahead. Because, yeah. I, I, well, I think that brings me to what I thought this was going to be about. And a character we haven't talked a lot about is Dracula as a character. Cause the first couple issues are the yeah, team of Dracula. Right. And so we're looking at Dracula at the time in the seventies. We got to remember that Marvel comics before the comic book code was almost, it was all genre stuff. It was romance books and horror books and crime books. And it was really dark and gritty and monster books. Monster books were huge. And then when the comic code came in, you couldn't do the ghouls anymore. And right. so they started doing superhero books and superhero books became their bread and butter, but they still kept a couple of those old monsters and dragged. Dracula being one of them, but they turned Dracula from a monster into like this kind of conniving villain. And yeah. I don't know if that works in this. Right. Right. It was like all yeah. Stuff in there. It was, it was a weird, like, again, this is one of those things where like, wh- having not been in any of the other tomb of Dracula stuff, it's really hard to see where, he fits into all of it. Because right? you, like, you think the whole collection is going to be, oh, this is these are all the stories where Blade faces Dracula. That's what I thought I was going to get. Yeah. yeah. And but you don't. don't. I was surprised that, that it wasn't. And like you said, um, you know, you get to the end of the first issue and there's, there's no resolution and it just goes straight to another story. Like, oh, they're in London now. Okay, just, Who's this white dude? Who's this guy? <laughs> Who's this guy? Yeah. Who's this guy? Where's Blade? <laughs> right? Like, I, I, you know, I think that was one of the, that's one of the things that I think made a book like this tough is like, Travis and I have been reading a lot of old books uh, for the show. And I, 
I think for me, I appreciate sort of like the history of it. For me, as I read something like this and I step away from it, I go like, okay, I, this is like, it feels so 70s. I got to get into a little bit of what 70s comic books feel like in this genre comic of like, how do we tell a horror story and make it edgy enough for the comics code, right? And then it, it it's like this experiment that, that they're doing. You know, Marvel is... Is and I guess like this is like what episode this is like issue it's only issue 10 of the tomb of Dracula, right? So this isn't a this isn't like tomb of Dracula's been around for a long time. This is like issue 10, and that's boom, a, that's the first blade. That's the first appearance of Blade. And yeah. it's it seems like the character's been around for a lot longer than that when you first see him. You're like, oh. I guess Blade has appeared more. That's the first time in comics that Blade appears is Tomb of Dracula number 10. And they write him like he's a fully fleshed out character, that he has a backstory already, and we're just seeing him hunt down Dracula. Right. And I do love how many times in it they kind of like, then uh, there's, I think in that first set, the narration is fun. As you get like, and then Blade turns. And without a problem, he like does this, right? Um I was looked. I was noticing that. I was like, "Man, that's a, that's a lot of description going on there." I mean, I, some and, of it, I have to blaze over just so I can get to the dialogue. You know. Like, yeah. And that's that. And that's that seventies and sixties sort of writing, right? That early comic book writing where you can't show me. You can't just show me. You got to tell me because we had to prove that it was good for kids. Right, right, and so we got to have words on the page. Honestly, though, it's better than the the newer version of Blade in here, where it was all exposition and dialogue bubbles. I mean, it was like a nineteen seventies detective. It was so much just exposition and dialogue. I'm like, take me back to the seventies. At least there's some action and going on in here. And the last few panels were all just like, I was like, man, this is too much. I don't even know what's going on. I, I, my my ADD kicked in. You know, my attention span was just like it was off the wall. I couldn't, I couldn't click it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, it was a lot of artwork. It was like, yeah, it was very much like let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Here's yeah. a fight. Here's a fight. But none of it. Um, it's 1998 is when that one comes out. So yeah, I right. found it. I found it at Comicsology. So it's 1998 when that when that when that series runs. Um, it. Not a good year it's, for comics, 1998. I don't think so. I think I was I was out by that point. Yeah. <laughs> but I, so here's here's what I want to talk about. As we talk about this in this this sort of historical version of this, what did you guys think about the art in in both versions, the the, the old 70s version and the and the new version? How'd you feel about the art as we go through this? This memory lane 70s art history dive we're going into. Alan, what did you think about it? So um, for me, uh, I wasn't crazy about the old school part. And then when we got to the newer pages, I was like, oh, here's some new stuff. But then when I was, as I was reading the newer stuff, I kind of missed the old school art. And then I, I went back and I was like, you know, I, I kind of like that. I dig it. Most people think the story was better, you know. Oh, actually, it's it. I dig it. <laughs> Black people say this. So, uh, yeah, I, I, before I was like, oh, yeah, we got some newer, some newer artwork. But then, you know, I kind of, as I kept reading, kept going, and, you know, kept going back and looking at stuff, I kind of really appreciated the, uh, I like the colors of the older stuff. I like the, uh, I think they drew the action a lot better. You know, I just think it was, uh, it was more enjoyable for me as I, as I began to understand and accept it. 
Josh, I'm gonna come across this podcast and stake your entire family. <laughs> I think they're talking the whole time. It's so loud. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mute myself when I don't talk. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I agree with you. Uh, I as we've done this podcast, I have this greater appreciation for this functional 70s art. I mean, obviously the coloring in the 70s comics does a lot for it. I've grown to love that really poppy coloring, those greens, yeah. those purples, those blues, those yellows, those reds. I mean, they just really pop and the shading and the shadowing um, are, are fantastic on, on there. And so that way, when you get to the newer stuff, like you were saying, Alan, it's it's different and it feels more modern, but it lacks um, heart. It right. feels cold. It feels, uh, yeah. I agree. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I think for me, it comes down to that same thing. Like I have, I kind of love, you mentioned it, the coloring of the seventies art. Like there are a couple times when like, you know, you can tell, Oh, we got to get this panel. So it's a bat and it's orange behind it. Right. So there's, there's speed involved in creating some of these books back in the seventies to get them done. So there's not a ton of detail, but I think, I think Alan had said it like the acting's better. You can see the acting of the characters better in these seventies books. Their faces look like they're acting a little more. Plus I think, look, However cheesy the sort of like green goggles and the the bandolero of stakes are, like I think that that's a pretty rad. Like it's a good costume. I uh, love I love from, a bandolero. I love a well placed bandolero. And and chest out too. Oh, right, that's like your style, Alan. You love a good like three buttons down. <laughs> oh, dude, I do, I do. I just wish I had some fur. I love a nice chest. Coat. You already got the cross there, so you're ready to ward off those vampires. <laughs> I I I thought the I think the art in the '70s version is a little better. Now you can hear my dog bark. I thought that <laughs> I thought the '70s version was better. I enjoyed the acting in it. I thought the like I I thought it was a little more. It was just a little more fun. This is going to be the most obnoxious background. The demon dogs of the night. Wow. Right, that's what it is. The darkness. Uh, vampires have let loose their their dogs on me but i think you're right i think like there's definitely a distinct difference between the modern one trying to be darker than the 70s one right the 1998 one is like ooh, we're a dark edgy comic and you know maybe because of the time period but you know what vampire movie have you watched where there wasn't just so much blood this had like almost no blood maybe like two drops of blood the whole that's like the comic book code in the uh, the early issues. They just couldn't do it, you know? Meanwhile, Blade 1 opens up with a club bloodbath, you know? So what do we... That's my that's my next question is... We talked about... I To me, Blade feels like an underdeveloped character still. A character where I think there's so much potential that people haven't tapped into. Now, again, I've only read a little bit of Blade in comics... Uh, and I've seen the movies, and the movies do a good job. But to me, when I see the character Blade, I'm like, wow, there's so many cool stories you can tell with that character. We talked right. about possibly getting her, his daughter involved. We talked about an old grizzled Blade. But, Alan, what would you like to see from a Blade story? If you had the reins to Blade the character, what would you want to do with him? What kind of story would you like to tell with him? Well, I was just thinking about what you guys were talking about before, where he fits in the Marvel Universe. Like, could Blade be an Avenger? And I'm like, if Hawkeye could be an Avenger, Blade could definitely be an Avenger. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And the, the way they portrayed him in the movies, this dude was hyper, like everything. He had super strength. He was had super speed. He had everything the vampires had, maybe even more. The only downfall for him, his only weakness was the bloodthirst. Bloodthirst, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he had to take the serum and all of that stuff. But I'd like to see Blade involved more in the MCU. I think they could do a whole lot. Like, bring him to Wakanda, man. You know, give him some money. <laughs> something with him. I think... I think I would like to see him more involved in MCU. I think he's a good character that could be developed more. I mean, they have some characters that, you know, you wonder why they're even a part of it. Like, why not Blade? Yeah. I, I think, I think you're, Alan, to that point, I, I think, like, Blade is one of those characters where does he have to fight vampires, right? Like, yes, yeah. he's a vampire hunter, but you could bring him in. I mean, he's a badass dude, right? You could bring yeah. him in on anything, and he is a fighter. He's got, like you said, that super strength and all that stuff that goes along with being a vampire. Um, and then I don't think he always has to fight vampires, but I feel that like, I wonder, is that the, have we, is he, is he sort of stuck in that lane of having, that's why I said like, because the, the of 90- his, because of his subtitle, the vampire hunter. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, but you know what I mean? Like you talk about, we look at that nineties book and it feels so, it feels very DC dark, right? It feels very justice league, dark sort of you know, universe. And that isn't, and that isn't something that happens very much in Marvel. And so he does feel very set aside from the Marvel universe because he's in this, this, this very small portion of what goes on in Marvel. And how do you bring him in? Travis did a wonderful pitch where Blade was a part of it. Wasn't Blade in your Avengers pitch, Travis? Yeah, he was a part of my Avengers pitch. He was, he was, he was playing poker with the thing and Howard the Duck. <laughs> I, I think you're right. My bad. I didn't catch up. No, I think for me, what I thought there was a seed of in this, and I think it would be kind of cool, uh, is I like how the first couple issues, they all take place in different parts of the world. Uh, Boston, uh, London, uh, on a ship in New Orleans. I like the idea of this international vampire hunter who has to go. And I think there's opportunity there to explore the rules of vampirism in different cultures. You know, so like if he's going to... uh, like Wakanda, you could to, to mash both for ideas. Like, what is different about the vampires in Wakanda? Like, they're super technologically advanced. Or what about in Australia? What what have they adapted to? And so Blade would have to adapt his uh, hunting style to whatever part of the world he was in. And he'd have to do some exploration into the culture of those vampires in order to ultimately defeat the baddie of the week. And then plus kids get to learn so much about different continents and different countries. It's yeah. perfect. You've you've nailed it. Uh, the polite, I, I like the polite Japanese vampire. Oh, so, so, blade son. Blade. So sorry. So sorry. Uh, I, I will bite your neck now. Uh, um, I, uh, I'm here to stab you, daddy-o. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I like that idea, Travis. And I, I think about this idea of like, okay, I like this international vampire hunter thing. I think that's good. I like that, that sort of angle on it. And then I think that you get to tell this story of, you know, not only does he find other vampires, but then what are the vampire hunters like right. in those areas? Right? right. And you could put him, you could put it like he's tracking down Deacon Frost. Right. And it takes him to all these different 
vampire, you know, like wards yeah. around the world, you know? And he takes uh, um, his uh, xenophobic, racist old partner, Whistler, with him. God damn, Mexican food gives me the runs, Blade. <laughs> but I think that you could you could easily turn Blade into Hellboy, and it would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. C- cigar smoking, tough talking. No, I mean just the idea of like BPRD, but oh, Blade. Oh yes, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like Blade is not just vampires, but he's hunting all of the supernatural. You could easily transition Blade into that sort of like vampire uh you know like demon hunting whatever group and then he's not you're not just stuck with vampires you get to like like he's fighting wendigos and he's like all of these different sort of like supernatural ghouls ghouls and ghosts you could bring in yeah yeah that'd be cool one thing i did notice also was uh, another thing i did notice was how like in the 80s you know they're they dracula and uh they were all like involved in like the go-go scene because you got the disco era and all that stuff and then on the new, the, the most recent issues, you got them. You have the vampires infiltrating the underground and the, mafia, you know, crime and things. So a lot, a lot of what was going on in the world, you know, they were showing that vampires are now integrating into society, you know, and infiltrating and you know influencing society, which is pretty cool. I like that mafia aspect of it. I liked the reasoning behind it. Well, these people are already inclined to do shitty stuff. So if we make them vampires and they follow me, then I have, like, control of pretty much everything. Right, yeah. And, you know, think about it. If you could live forever and you had this power, you know, eventually you'd have people in, you know, in in the legal system and you'd have people in this organization. You just have all these people that you can just call on any time you need. You know, you you infiltrate all these powerful organizations and then you become a powerful figure yourself. Vampires always have that that secret it's a little bit over that secret order right it's always a bunch of like old vampires in a circle they're always just they're always sitting in a circle and just like yeah we have to uh he's he's not respecting our traditions we who is this upstart he thinks he could knows what a vampire is right right and then you have like the pure bloods versus the ones that have been turned and the ones right turned to like millennials they're like all these old guys and then the pure bloods are like all oh, these young ones, these young <laughs> All they care about is clubbing and sex. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. avocado blood toast, right? <laughs> like avocado <laughs> blood toast. He doesn't follow the drinking blood rules, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I, you know, I, I think like I think, like you said, Travis, this is a character that I wonder how how much we how how we. Uh, how we tap into a character like this and is blade the character where like whenever you bring him in is he too do you get him too into that decade right like i'm telling a real 90s story with drugs and underground crime and new jack city blade and then blood lives matter it's like vampires protesting blade and the discrimination against him that would be a fun story but like there's all there's all these these all these things were like is he because he's so malleable and because he's in such a niche thing and maybe there's not as much history there you can just go like yeah we're gonna throw him into this decade and he'll fit just fine you know i think he's malleable for 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 
de- uh, decades because you have that core character. He's just uh, he says it in this book. He goes, I, I, I don't like vampires and I don't like humans. So I, I, I'm not concerned with human life. And that's carried over into the movies where Blade isn't really concerned with human life or vampire life. He's just kind of does his own thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a cool part of that character. Yeah, yeah, he's just he's just like just grumpy and just like just doesn't care. You know? I feel like but, Blade so much now. Like, <laughs> like I, I, know, I can, I wanna, I can I dig it. Movies now, except for the third one. The third one was terrible, but I'm gonna definitely watch the first two. Except for, I, I except agree, for Jessica Biel in the third one. Ooh, Jessica Biel looking well, good. I don't. I don't know that I've ever seen the third one. Oh, but man. now I feel I need to watch all of them just to watch all of them. They've got Patton Oswalt on the third one. Oh, they try to be so witty because they have Ryan Reynolds in it, you know? And, mm, uh, yeah. Oh, wait, I think I have seen parts of it at least. Yeah. Uh, and then they have outtakes in the uh, DVDs where, like, they they bring in werewolves, and these werewolves are just, just the most ridiculous looking ones. <laughs> terrible. What do you guys think about panels? Should we go to favorite panels? Yeah, let's do favorite panels. Uh, I was thinking about that. I've got mine all set if we want me to go first. Yeah, I've got go ahead. Mine set. So on the digital reader, if you go to page 56 on your digital reader, um, it is Blade uh, swimming with his knife in his mouth. And there's something about sort of the, uh, you probably can't see it on the screen. Just yeah, because I see it because it, that was my favorite panel. So go ahead. I did take your favorite <laughs> panel. Yeah, yeah, yeah go uh, ahead. I do like the change in art there. I do like this sort of like there's something like that's where that's a panel in this 70s arc that feels very artsy, right? right. Where the artist got to go and say, like, okay, this is I'm a I'm a really kill it on this, you know, half a pa- half page splash here. The lighting on it is great. It's a it's interesting way to have to show someone underwater. It's it's great. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now that I stole yours, Travis, are we going to have to? Does uh, Alan no, have I, one? I, I, for no, I, I came with. Uh, I I'm going to go with a backup one. I don't think anyone's going to choose that. Uh, but I'll let Alan go first. Yeah, sure. I mine was on, uh, and this actually made me laugh. On page sixty, when uh, the vampire was like, he's going to, uh, he's going to sink his fangs gently into a uh, uh, <laughs> skin, and then Blade's like, the only lips going to touch her are mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's Blade the man coming out. He's like, you're not putting your teeth in. That comes out a couple times. I love it when he gets like all like sexy with it. You know, I love it when he hits the girl's ass when he when he like smacks her. He's like he's like, how about you go whip me up some? Get me a get me make me some food. Clack, and she's like, I'm doing it, Blade. It was such a. I cracked up. I was like, oh, it is. That's my man. <laughs> I, I agree this is one of those that would that's a good panel i like that one travis what do you got mine was uh page 39 bottom left corner uh it's just i've never seen a vampire uh killed this way or uh, fought this way the um uh ski pole uh that's a that's a good one i, I love I, that that green is like one of my favorite comic colors is that pea green and i yeah. love how he's just like uh, i'm in a sports um uh, Thing. I guess I'm going to grab this uh, ski pole. I, I thought that was funny. Like they're fighting in a department store, right? I like thought there was a great joke for, I thought there was a great potential for a joke. Like brothers don't ski. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying, I was trying to see if there were any of these issues that Blade was going to be swimming, you know, you know, and you got, you got him swimming, Alan. You got yeah. him. 
Exactly. But I, I like I was looking at that too, the ski pole, and I was like, I, I like how they described how he could throw it because he had skill in drawing all sorts of knots and places. Right. <laughs> like throw a ski pole. Just in, just in case you were like, can he throw a ski pole? They're gonna yeah. tell you that yes, he can. I think that's the most that's the most like ancient, you know, old school comic booking of this is like like I can't just accept that he can throw a ski pole. You have to explain it to me that yeah. this yeah, is yeah. why you can throw a ski pole. Um, well, surely he can't throw that. <gasps> Wait, he can. <laughs> uh, so I, we always ask this question and I think this marvelous summer, it has been a real hard question to it's answer. It's the same. My response is the same. <laughs> it, it, it seems like we're just repeating ourselves. Who do you give this to? And I think Travis Ratz and I could say it at the same time. Just someone. If you want to explore old comic books, if you want to right. get, if you want to know like your roots, if you want to know your roots, it's like Alan said with country music. It's like, well, you know, country music and the infusion of blues and that kind of makes rock and roll. But I guess I should go and learn what I where what where I like now came from. But it's tough. It's like listening to like um uh uh. Oh, I don't know, Jimmy Rogers music, like the Yodeling Cowboy. You're like, wow, this became rock and roll. Like a kid is punishment, and you have to write. You know, you need to write a three page report on Blade and Dracula. I also recommend this to vampires. I that's who I'd recommend this to. And vampires is a nice little manual. If you were thinking about taking a cruise, think again. You can't get on that dock, brother. You can't. Yeah, da- Daddy-o. Dig it, dig it, Daddy-o, you can't. <laughs> yeah. So I, this is this is just one of those oddball dives. I will tell you that I'm glad I read it because it was so goofy and so, like, 70s that I'm like, okay, I've had a taste of what those books are like. Because yeah. you, you see, like, Tomb of Dracula and all these old sort of, like, horror books. and you're And I'm always curious, like, how do you make this? with the comics code and this is how you make it with the comics code. Right. You know, I mean, if there are any issues that are, you know, like the of value, you know, any issues of blade that are, you know, pricey or cost more than others because of, you know, let's see, I'll look that up to Dracula number 10. Let's see how much it is. You know, cause Alan, you know, it's going to be in like six months, it's going to be, you know, the holidays and maybe, You'll find Tomb of Dracula number ten on your doorstep. You know the you cover. Might... The cover price was twenty cents on that bad boy. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Come on. Oh, it's not. Oh, uh, this one a nine point eight uh, CGC. Well, that's a pretty high grade. CGC graded is uh, thirty five hundred dollars. Thirty five hundred. Yep. Well, Alan, I'm sorry. I can't get you that for Christmas. But if I can find like a, a sixth grade, maybe I can snag that one for I'm you. I'm actually impressed. That's amazing. I did not expect that. I was thinking like $15, 30 I well, think it's because it's the first appearance of Blade. And you've yeah. got this mega franchise. And If you get down to like the lowest ones, like a 1.5, 1.8, those are still $200, $300. Wow. That's crazy. Interesting. Well, you can make that money, that's right. That's right. Mar- Marv Wolfman, make that cash. I, um, I, oh, actually, a correction here. It looks like these are all owned by Wesley Snipes, and he had to give them up for tax evasion. I guess this is <laughs> part of his settlement. He had to give up all his blades. 
I like go it, like look. That's why we need another Blade comic. That's why we need another Blade movie. <laughs> I need another Blade movie because I need Wesley Snipes to be grizzled and angry, angrier than he was as Blade. Uh, showing someone the ropes. Yeah, I think that would be. That's that'd be a good that'd be a good movie. Well, Alan, gonna, okay. With knives, and I'm gonna sharpen up my skills, man. And I'm gonna audition for that part. Bro. Do it, yeah, Alan. Do it. I th- I think you've got it. I think you've got it. Teakwood is very popular right now, Alan. Thank you so much for for putting up with this uh, I- issue. I promise. Next time we will preview the book and we will make sure it's 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 a good one. It will make sure that you're getting some some good comic booking. And nothing weird, nothing eccentric. We're not going to drag you into our little weird quest to go on uh, the comic books. Man, I, I I love working with you guys. I really appreciate it. I would I would I would talk about weathering heights with you. If that, if that, <laughs> well, you're in luck. Travis and I start our literary podcast in just a month, and uh, you're on for yeah. uh, weathering heights. <laughs> it took me like a year and a half to read it. Cause, man. <laughs> No, I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Alan, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, remember you can find all of our episodes on the website, www.comicexposure.com. You can find us also on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and Google Podcast Land and all that good stuff. Uh, follow us on uh, on that on that Spotify so you can see when new episodes come out. Give us them big fatty star ratings on iTunes. Uh, steal your grandmother's phone. Download it to that one too. Uh, and uh, subscribe. Uh, you go to the website. You can find some merch. You can find some. Uh, you can find the show notes for the episodes. You could do all that good stuff over at that comic exposure. You can follow us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. And uh, Travis, what do we got coming up next, my man? What's the next book? Well, we've got two more books as of right now in our marvelous summer. That is Gambit Classics. Uh, we're looking at some classic Gambit, and there's uh, more like voodoo in that one too, isn't there? If it's if it's Gambit, he's gonna go to New Orleans. Uh, it's it's gotta happen. I haven't even read it yet, but I'm guessing there's a he goes to New Orleans for the thieves guild, because um, he's French, you know, he's uh, a Cajun. Mandu. And Mandu. then we have uh, that Wolverine, uh, Claremont's Wolverine. That's right. And then we're doing a very special. We loved Pitch Club so much. We're going back to the Pitch Club for the Marvel. We're going back to the Pitch Club at that Marvel well. And we're going to do a Marvel 2-4, a Marvel 2-in-1 Pitch Club, where we're going to pitch our team-up story. We're going to have Freddie on, Freddie Pinion. If you, if you remember Freddie Pinion, who's been on the show before, he's going to talk to us. Uh, he's he's excited to bring his pitch together. I'm thinking of mine right now. Travis, are you thinking of yours? Nope, but I will. That's good. That's good. <laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, thanks for tuning in. Travis and I will see you next trade.